the Truth in My Days podcast, where we defend the Word of God against the challenges of men. Hi, I'm Dana Torres, and welcome to another episode of the Truth in My Days radio program. Today, I'm here with John Torres and Jason Chan as they discuss the important topic of creation and evolution. We are continuing from the previous episode. We hope you enjoy. And that that becomes the problem when Christians start hitching their apologetics to these kind of secular theories that simply don't agree with what the Bible says. And, and early on in this series, we did go over whether there's any way to make the Bible fit with old earth creationism, and there really isn't. Mm. And so you, you'd expect, again, that the, the skeptic would say, you don't believe the Bible, why should I? How do you get around that? That's a that's a very good point. And then there's another point I'd also like to make, and that's that's Jesus' words in Matthew six twenty four, and he's talking specifically here about wealth, mammon, but I think it's a gnomic truth. He says, "No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon." And as I said, I think the the principle though applies universe so you cannot serve two masters if you have two masters on any issue one of them is going to be your your main master you're going to be loyal to one of them and disrespect the other there's no way you can be equally loyal to both so when it comes to epistemology how we know things what is our epistemological master is it the word of god or is it the the pronouncements of atheistic science you, you can't be both because sooner or later, those are going to clash, and you're going to have to pick one or the other. So when you start saying, well, the Bible, yeah, you know what? You can fit in billions of years. Yes, we can fit in the Big Bang. Well, who's your true master in that case? Is it the Word of God, or is it atheistic science? Which one? Which one are you being loyal to, and which one are you despising? Yeah, That's a question. It has to be the Bible, but fortunately, we don't. we don't have to made that choice because that science isn't, as we saw all throughout this series, can easily just be tossed out. Yeah, and that's why I specifically said atheistic science, yeah, yeah. Okay, where they just basically, whatever the party line is, whatever the, the consensus view is, they just accept that as being true. Mm -hmm. No, God, God is the witness, God is a creator, God is the only one who was there at the beginning who gives us his test, so we need to go by that. Science is a very useful tool, and when used for what it's supposed to be, which is discovering how the world works and not used to try to kick God out, then it's findings, yeah, not surprising, we'll agree with what the Bible says. Mm -hmm. But if you don't know how or where the problem is, you don't see what's the cause of the confusion, maybe you don't know the science well enough, or you haven't looked into it enough, which one are you going to pick? Mm. I, I, I can respect the Christian who doesn't know science who says, look, I can't explain why science seems to say something different from the Bible. But I know the Bible. I know it's the Word of God. I believe it. But to, to take the Bible and say, well, we're going to start changing it to make it fit what the atheist scientist says, that's, a, to me, a very dangerous way to go. Okay, any questions on any of this? None that come to mind. That was a lot to take in and require some time to keep thinking about and looking into and digesting. Yeah. All right. I'll leave you with a couple of more recent examples because I gave you some examples and some of them are from years ago, but to show that this is ongoing. It's always happening. These, these attempts to push evolution 
in, in totally bogus fashion, remember I gave you examples, supposed examples of evolution, which were not that at all. Right, like the moth. The yeah. peppered moth, the, the wife beaters of Kabbalah, remember that, right, the yeah. chimpanzees yeah. who get the female chimpanzees. Um, the animals around Chernobyl that just, you know, die younger now. And, and I said two questions, like, why, A, why do they never give us an example of actual evolution? And B, why do they give examples of evolution that they know are not examples of evolution? Here, here's what, this is from Wall Street Journal. September 25th to 26th, year 2021, so very recent. The headline of this article, some species are changing along with the climate. Warmer conditions have prompted animals and plants to adopt new habits and evolve new traits. Squids are shrinking, lizards are growing bigger toes, and trees are migrating. Now, are they evolving new traits? You read through the article, you find fun stuff like um, the type of birds, they, they would eat plankton in a certain area mm -hmm. and now you get melting supposedly melting glaciers and they can't find plankton in the normal place so they've gone to a different place to eat plankton does that sound like evolution no it sounds like they're just trying to find food <laughs> and they talk about butterfly fish butterfly fish used to fight with each other for food around the coral reef okay and say oh now these coral reefs that they've they're exhausted from food because of climate change and not producing the food the butterfly fish don't fight anymore. They don't fight over food since the food's not there. Is that evolution? But we're being told, we're, these, these are the examples we're being given. And then they're going to give us actual evolution. And it's towards the end of the article, evidence from another small lizard shows that climate adaptations aren't limited to changes in behavior or lifestyle. Some species are measurably evolving and fast. Okay. And remember, what is actual evolution? You want to go from amoeba, single-celled organism, up to, to man. You need to develop qualitatively new genetic data yes. for new features. Mm -hmm. Without that, it's not evolution. Mm -hmm. So, But here, oh no, these are measurably evolving. They're not just evolving. You can measure it. Okay. It's happening so fast. So what's happening here? Back-to-back -back hurricanes Irma and Maria battered the Turks and Caicos Islands in 2017. They flattened buildings, uprooted trees, and left the community reeling. They also created a rare scientific opportunity. Surveys of a local species of anole, a distant cousin of iguanas, had just been completed prior to the storm. So they turned their attention to the impact of the hurricanes. What they found was survival of the fittest in action. Lizards in the post-storm population all had larger toe pads and stronger front feet, better suited to gripping trees <laughs> and high winds. Okay. And those traits were being passed on to the next generation. Sure. Yeah, that okay. makes sense. So think about what's happening. You got these anoles, these lizards. Yeah. And they're clinging to the trees. Yeah. And the hurricane comes. And the ones that have tiny little feeties, yeah, they can't grab on. They, they, they can't grab on strongly enough. They get blown away and killed. Yep. So you've killed off, uh, in the population, you've killed off the small-footed anoles. Mm -hmm. So you're left with large-footed anoles. And they pass on their traits because they survived. Yeah. So a trait that's already there in the population is being favored by natural selection. It certainly right. is natural selection. It is survival. Yes. If it is. Yeah, that's true. But it's not evolution, is it? Mm -hmm. not at the anoles all. didn't become anything other than Bigfoot anoles, which they were all along. Right. And yet we're told 
while scientists expected to eventually see evolution in reaction to extreme weather, many were stunned that it could happen so fast. Wow. So now, now you know what to look for. You begin to notice this all the time. Yeah, they keep giving us these yeah. examples that are not evolution at all. But again, the, the, what the headline says in the subheading, evolve new traits. The, the box limo says many scientists are stunned to see evolution take place so fast. And people are going to read that. and say, wow, man, more examples of evolution. They won't even read it. They won't even understand it. Oh, man. And then from New Scientist... This one's from July 17th, 2021. It's usually a few weeks later it comes out in Canada, which is why it's a couple months back. Um, but why don't we jump on the COVID bandwagon? They, they have an article here that says, A genetic gambit. We're not taking evolution into account properly in our pandemic strategy. Here's why we must change tack. And they're talking about our reaction to COVID-19. And... Uh, says, uh, earlier this year, Dido Harding, whilst heading England's coronavirus test and trace system, said that no one could have predicted that new variants of SARS-CoV-2, the virus that causes COVID-19, would emerge. Of course this was predicted. And while some people question Harding's statement, many still seem surprised that the virus continues to mutate. And so the author of this article goes on to say, see, that's the problem. People don't understand. Only if, if only they would understand evolutionary thinking, modern evolutionary theory, then we'd be better off in fighting COVID. Okay, we're, we're not using evolutionary theory. According to this guy, we'd be better off if we did. Now, here's the thing. Was that predicted? Of course it was predicted. Yeah. Okay? This is mutation and survival of the fittest. Uh -huh. okay? the, the, the virus does mutate. Yes. Now, there are different types. Some don't mutate much. Coronaviruses are very adaptable to mutating. Mm -hmm. And they do mutate. Yeah. And so new variants arise. And that's predictable. Anybody who knows basic science already knew that. Mm -hmm. Just like the seasonal flu. Yes. And, and we can, which are also coronaviruses. Mm -hmm. And we can actually predict which way it would mutate. Okay? Because remember, they want to survive. Survival of the fittest. The problem with particularly deadly viruses is it kills off the host. And when the host is dead, the virus dies. The virus cannot pass on. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, if the virus isn't very transmissible, it's not a very contagious uh, sort of illness, then also has trouble passing on. Right. So if they become more transmissible, then that enhances their survival. If they become less deadly, they become, that's an, that enhances their survival. So you could predict that this is the way it's going to evolve, right. develop, sure. mutate. Again, new strains which are more infectious but less deadly, which is exactly what we have. This Delta variant is, is much more contagious, mm -hmm. but it's much less deadly. Mm. You don't need to know evolutionary theory to know that. How would evolutionary theory help you on this? Does the COVID virus become anything other than a COVID virus? Is it evolving, developing qualitatively new genetic material for new traits? Hmm. No. no. Okay, so this is the problem. It's not evolutionary theory. So you got kind of a coattail fallacy here where they want to say, oh, you will understand it's better if we understand evolutionary theory. Well, in fact, you don't need to understand evolutionary theory at all. It's got nothing to do with it. These kind of examples are going to be around all the time. They never stop. You know to look for it, you will spot them again and again and again. Hmm. So 
I think we've reached the end of our uh, unit on evolution. There are always other topics uh, to talk about, and maybe someday we'll revisit a topic on creation evolution. But I think we, we've covered what really counts to show that the theory is, is false, not just because the Bible says so, which it does, but also because it's scientifically impossible. Mm. And we've shown so many different ways that, that it cannot, absolutely cannot happen, and that therefore we're being given fake examples to try to support the idea. We looked over the issue of, of how old is the earth? Does it fit into the 7,800, uh, 686-year maximum that the Bible says? Or does it, scientific evidence prove that uh, it's billions of years old? We showed that the supposed evidence for billions of years old really don't show that. Whereas there are many lines of, of evidence, scientific evidence, which they will not show you unless mm -hmm. you go and look for it that put the earth at less than 10,000 years old. Right. And then that big bang theory, which for some reason is being used as an apologetic by so many Christians simply doesn't work. It's scientific science, hard science has already debunked it. So it's time I would say to stop trying to use what comes atheist science to support the Bible. We don't need it. Let's just support the Bible and go with that. It is the word of God. Hmm. Any comments? Amen. Yeah. Thanks John for going through all these examples with us and not just that, but also giving us tools to challenge these new articles when we see them. If you enjoy our content and think this is important material, the best compliment you can pay is by sharing this with your friends and family. This helps us out a lot. Also, if you enjoyed today's program, please like, comment, share, and subscribe to this podcast. We would love to hear from you. Thank you for listening to the Truth In My Days podcast with John Torse. We would love to hear from you. Please feel free to share any questions or comments you may have. You can reach us on Facebook, Instagram, MeWe, and YouTube. Simply search Truth In My Days as one word. Again, Truth In My Days as one word, no spaces in between. And you can connect with us. You may also visit our website for more comprehensive material and to learn more about our ministry. Our website is truthinmydays.com. Thank you.